Welcome back to the Stick 'em Up podcast. Brundy, how are you doing today? Oh, doing not too bad. How are you doing today? Oh, pretty good. Pretty good. Oh, Vegas just scored in their game. That's tough. That's tough. Yeah. Not not as good. Not as good. Yeah, no. Um, not a whole lot really going on in the league right now. We kind of touched on it a bit before we started, but this probably won't be a you know, super long one like the other ones have been just because there's um, not a whole lot going on. But regular season does start in like five days, which is so exciting. So, so come next week, we're going to have some actual uh, regular season games and uh, regular season news that we, we're going to be able to to talk about. Yeah. So whichever team gets like blown out like seven nothing in their opening game, we're, we're going to be right there to overreact and say that they're missing the playoffs. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Um, where, where do you want to start? What do you feel like starting with? Uh, what, what news do we got around the league? We got, uh, we got Bedard getting his first goal in the, in the preseason, not, uh, you know, not really his first goal. Like people were freaking out over. I mean, he scored, but also it was a preseason and an empty netter. Yeah. He, uh, he looked really pissed after he scored it. he looked even more pissed tonight. Did you see what happened? No, I didn't. Uh, so Chicago and Minnesota went to a shootout, and Bedard went down on Flurry and tried to. He he tried to make too many moves, and he kind of lost the puck. And then he tried to go, look like between the legs and upstairs. And Flurry just had enough and just poke checked his feet. I was gonna say, did he poke check him? Face yeah. yeah. Flurry I... just turns around and is sitting there, and Flurry gives him a little bit of a tap and. Yeah, so that was kind of a, you know, welcome to the NHL a moment, kid. A moment for him is one way to put it. That's too bad because I could have told you that was going to happen. Flurry, I swear, Flurry poke checks more than any other goalie I've ever seen. He's probably he also the best poke at check. it. Yeah, I just can't get over like Chicago fans fucking glazing the team now that just because Bedard's there, like they're already chanting, "We want a cup," and. It's like settle down. You barely beat yeah. Detroit in a preseason game. <laughs> like, yeah, and yeah, Detroit's not even with a good empty netter. team. They're not even a playoff team. It like I, I would get it if it came from you know, you know Edmonton when, uh, when McDavid first entered the league because you know they haven't won a cup since the eighties or whatever. Like. In the last 15 years, Chicago has three cups. Like, they're, they're doing just fine. It, it's funny that they're, they're chanting, we want a cup. Like, it's also funny because aside from Chicago fans, without one. every other fan base is like, we don't want you guys to win anymore. We're yeah. done with them. So They're, they're little, the majority of people's but... least favorite team now. They're, 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 they're right up there for me. I would say they're my... The team I like the least, but because uh, yeah, obviously Vegas still exists. But um, yeah, anyways, Sh- aside Chicago's from that, like outside of hockey for me, but like within the confines of the game, it's Boston for me. But like they're like tied for me, but like for completely different reasons. You're not a big you're not a big bees fan, dude. They have Lucic now. They sure do, you do don't they? Luch. You love Luch. You're a big. You're a big Boston Bees guy. 
No, no. I did like Luch when he was with the Flames, though. I'll tell you that. He was he was fun to watch. Oh, speaking of teams that are shit, um, the Anaheim Ducks finally signed Drysdale and Zegris after making them sit out all of uh, of training camp. But I did say that their 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 plan was to get them both signed to to three year deals to line up with uh, Carlos and whatnot, so they can kind of build their whole core together at the same time. You think that's a smart move? I, Just like as a general concept to have like all your best young players so sign I, at the I same under, time. I understand it in the sense of like you want to know that you're gonna have money to get your priority guy signed, whether that's at in three is whether that's Drysdale, Zegris, Carlson, whoever. They I, I understand the concept of wanting to make sure you know that you're gonna be able to get them signed, but you're also looking at the same time in three years, you know, Carlson could be worth eight to nine million Zegers could be up around nine Drysdale if you know he does what's projected of him and if he can stay healthy he can be up there in that area so that all of a sudden now you're 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 getting that certainty of knowing you can get your guy signed but you're also knowing that you're going to be giving out way more money in three years time whereas you probably could have got Zegers signed to like an eight by eight or something and now you know depending on with all these other players around him now, he's only going to get better. And so they're probably going to end up paying him more um, in three years time. So I understand it. But at the end of the day, I think just, just get your guys signed. And then, you know, you've got, you know, at least your future and Zegers and Drysdale locked in long-term. I I think they should have done that, but yeah, I definitely think they should have locked him in long-term. Yeah, Zegers uh, should have been Drysdale. I understand just because it's it's tough to a guy that hasn't played a whole lot yet in the league to all of a sudden give him an eight year. But they they could have. But um, yeah, I don't know. I I mean, good for the Ducks for getting him signed. But have fun in three years when yeah, they need to have trouble. Probably. Make sure in the in three years that. At that time, they have, you know, and that not even accounting for other players that'll be up at that point, that they have like at least like almost 30 million in cap. Like they're going to have to make sure is free to like make sure they get those three guys if they want to keep them around. Because like if you think about it in three years time now, Cam Fowler's contract is up. He's going to be 34 at that time. He might not even be on the team. I, I could very well see in his last year of his contract, they move him at the deadline. Gudis's deal is going to be up. Um, and then that's really it. But they do have Mason McTavish. He's only, he's got two years left. So he's, his deal is actually coming up before like Carlson, um, assuming he plays that, you know, and the year comes off his contract and whatnot. And then yeah. Zegers and Drysdale. So then what happens with McTavish there? Do they put like, are they now like, I don't know. I'm just curious to see what they're going to do, whether they're going to, you know, it's going to be like, hey, are you going to do a one-year deal type thing? And then, you know, we'll pay you. Uh, do they do a bridge deal with him then? Do they sign him long-term? I don't know what they're going to do. It's I wonder the if they always uh... make some just really weird decisions. Like, Yeah. I wonder if they're going to offer him, try and get him to sign for less. Because, you know, if McTavish, you know, is doing really well and signs for, you know, six or seven, you know, then you could get a bit of a 
a Tampa Bay or a Boston Bruins situation where one of the big guys early on signs for a low amount and then that kind of keeps everyone else's numbers slightly lower? I doubt it. I don't see. I see if McTavish, you know, gets to where he's projected, he's probably going to be up and around an $8 million player. Yeah. Um, and I think at the end of the day, like their core is, you know, Zegris, Carlson, and uh, Drysdale, I think, is, is kind of going to be the like their their big three. Because like Zegris and Drysdale could have easily just signed two-year bridge deals. But I was very certain that if it was, it was going to be three to then line up with Carlson. So it's kind of evident that those are kind of the three guys that they want to have on the same page like yeah. at all times. And know that they've got that their future and those three secured. Yeah. And but if it could work out for Anaheim, I don't know. It's three years away now, so it's tough, yeah, it to, might. tough to say. Like who knows? All three of those guys might all get ten million and that might be a good deal for them at that point. Because the cap's supposed to go up quite a bit over the next I, few I years. Think I think uh, it's reported for next season now. Um next offseason it's gonna go up because I think it's at what eighty 83 or 83 and a half or something like that right now it's supposed to go yeah. up to around 87 and a half to 88 yeah so it, I'm there, looking there at is it right now be a, that's what it's going to there's going to be increase an increase of four jump. and a half mil yeah so there is so that that's that's good that it's going to go up and it's going to make it easier but you know i i think well, actually i can't even fully say that with toronto because they've still managed to put around a good team but we see where teams struggle when you're you know paying three or four guys like in the double digits, it can be hard to, you know, secure a, a create like a, a good depth system below them where, yeah. you know, I mean, they make it work, but you also look at, look at what at the trade deadline, what they had to give up to have guys coming on retained salaries and whatnot. And they managed to luck out and Mark Giordano was like, I'll sign for league minimum. Let's just win a cup. Like you yeah. don't get that very often. And then even when you do it, it's like what they did. You have to give up even more assets um, to to get those guys that you want to get. So there's there is disadvantages to it still. Like it can be done, but it comes at a pretty pretty hefty price and a good chunk of uh, you know your future. Yeah, it's uh, but it'll that's, definitely that's be. how it goes. I don't I don't feel bad for Toronto in the slightest. No. Um. Yeah, I'm really hoping that with the news of uh, him saying that that's uh, Gary Bettman saying that around four and a half million is how much the cap will increase next year. Um, I'm hoping that uh, sooner rather than later, Tampa's going to send something to Stamkos, but it still really sounded like he's going to he's going to wait until the offseason or later in the year. Yeah, it doesn't sound like anything is going to really be on the table this season. I feel like now that, you know, training camp's pretty much done and nothing's happened, I don't see many talks happening during the regular season now. It's probably going to be a wait till next. And I mean, it's not uncommon. Like his last two he signed, it was kind of coming right up on the the cusp of, you know, he needs to get a contract signed or he's going to free agencies. So it, it very well could yeah. happen again that it's a, it, it comes down right to the very end. And I think even if it's, you know, two days before free agency or something. I think if Tampa Bay offers him a, a deal that he thinks is fair to him, I think he'll sign. Yeah. I don't think and... he's going to be bitter that of how long it took. Like, I think he's going to. I would hope not. He's going to get it signed as long as it's a fair deal, Tim. Like, if they come and, you know, do what 
Anaheim did to Zegers at first or what Ottawa is doing to Shane Pinto in, which for Shane Pinto, I mean, just sign the deal at that point. Um, but with Stamkos, I think as long as it's a fair deal to him, I think he'll he'll have no problem signing. Yeah. I'll say with Shane Pinto, though, he still hasn't signed with Ottawa. And apparently they offered him a one-by-one, and he felt that that offer is insulting, but it's like he's also really ha- – like he's he's looked solid in when he's played for the Senators, but he hasn't been, you know, out of this world incredible. And, I mean, you know, look at a guy like Kevin LeBanc, who a couple years ago – actually, it's more than a couple years ago now, but he had his best – season in the league and was a beast in the playoffs uh, setting that record and he he signed a one by one and then at the end of that year he got a pretty good uh contract in because the team was like hey you know we're in a bit of a cap bind and you stepped up and said you'll take a discount for us, so we're rewarding you for it so i don't see why he doesn't just do that and actually has a chance to play this year i guess but they they that's not guaranteed you know if if he falls off they might say uh well you're not worth anymore and you know you never know what's going to happen with injuries and i'm just looking at not even a player you want at that point then if if he doesn't have any confidence in himself to be a part of the team like then how can he ask for you know more money when he doesn't have the confidence that he's gonna have a good season or be a big part to the senators team I mean, you just never know what's going to happen. It's so volatile that at a moment's notice, you could get injured, and he doesn't have the money yet to be secure. And in the, he played all 82 games last year, 20 goals, 35 points. That's worth much more than one by one. I mean, I mean it. yes, but it's also at the same time, he's kind of the odd guy out for Ottawa. And so I don't think they're, you know... I guess, I, but that's I, not, I that's not he's his fault. For. He shouldn't be taking the discount for somebody else. No, but at this point, it's it's kind of coming down to he's either got to, you know, just sign or he might not even end up uh, playing for a whole year. And then at that point, then you're really just... Because Ottawa's yeah. only got 1.7 in, in cap space. Yeah. If so they, they don't have much to work with. Uh, I mean, there's still rumors that Matthew Joseph... They're trying to trade him, which he's kind of the only guy that makes sense to get moved. Yeah. Um, but. Yeah, it's either, it really sounds like either. Uh, yeah, either he just bites the bullet and uh, re-signs and signs for the one by one. Or if they can't, uh, if they can't move Joseph, then maybe he, maybe he ends up asking for a trade out or something like. If it's, if they're really not able yeah. to make it work Who yeah knows? i don't i don't know it's gonna but if i'm him it's i think at that point you just you know take take the one by one for the year go out there do even better be like look at this i just did a back-to-back seasons if ottawa isn't gonna pay you you can easily get paid from somewhere else uh you know whether that's ottawa ends up trading you or, or they just don't qualify him but I think if it's coming up so close to the season where he's just got to sign if he wants to play, um, you know, because sitting out an entire year, then his value just becomes at an all time low. Yeah. So, I mean, as as tough as it is, it's just sign the deal and then get to play and then go out there and prove that you're, 
you know, that you're the player that you know you are, and then you can you can set yourself up good after that. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that uh, how that goes down. Um, and that's usually the premise around those kind of deals, like the one by ones. It's talked about beforehand, yeah. like, hey, you know, you you do us one, we'll do you one down the road next year when we we have we we can make it work where we can actually get you paid fairly, type of thing. But because then it, it kind of evens out, you know, to help them put out a better team this year with the guys they got, and then you know next year when they can move guys out on deals that are now easier to move than it's but i don't know there's always something with ottawa yeah it's funny how how quickly they went from a team that refuses to spend money to uh now they don't have enough cap room like yeah it was a quick switch around for them honestly but that's good it's good to see that they're they're being competitive yeah yeah you never want to see a team fighting to try and get above the cap floor you want to see them fighting to stay under the salary cap yeah exactly um but aside from that what else do we do just kind of have our our predictions for uh that's all i can think of really seasons Uh, i think that's kind of yeah it's really kind of all we got unless we want to talk about uh jonas johansson's no uh, i don't care to back-to-back shutouts but that's the thing is is it's so tough to gauge with preseason, like just because it it really like yeah I don't know I I always like people always say like oh you know look at this this guy didn't preseason this and this but it's like yeah but you got to look at the roster he's up against and teams are trying out different stuff like I mean sure teams like to win in the preseason but it's more so they're trying to gauge what they have of their guys out on the ice at that moment and who works well and you know what kind of system they want to run with so. Yeah, I don't look into it too much, but I mean, still two two shutouts when, you know, they're in a lightning in a position where they don't they don't really have a goalie aside from Vasilevsky. It's nice for them to at least see that they've got a guy that they know they can. Yeah, that can, you know, get it done when needs be. But again, it still comes around to how much can you get out of them type of thing. Yeah, at the very least, I think it shows that you know, until he's really bad for a stretch for the next 10 ish weeks, we have a one a or a one B at least. Yeah. I think they still that's all we need him to be. We don't need a, we don't need anyone to be the bona fide starter for the next while. We just need two goalies. And so I, I do still think that they need to go out and there, you know, even a guy like I talked about before, Aaron Dell, he got released from his, his PTO with, columbus i think that's largely just due to them claiming spencer martin on waivers but that's still even a guy that they can bring in that you know can still uh kind of work in a tandem with with johansson if need be because i don't really have much and then they, you also got to take into account um you know when vasilevsky comes back you've got to have a goalie on your roster that you're okay with uh you know, going on waivers. I don't know what their their whole situation is with all their goalies on who's waiver eligible, who isn't. But that is also something to consider because you don't want to have you know a young decent goalie coming up that that that's waiver eligible, and then you maybe end up having to put them on waivers and you lose them. Yeah. So I don't think they have to worry about that. Really, it sounds like uh, Hugo Alnafelt has already been sent back down, and he's our big uh, goalie prospect. Uh, 
who's going to be Vassy's backup in the future. So he's already down and through waivers. They didn't like what they saw or they liked what they saw in other guys better in the preseason. So it sounds like it's going to be Johansson and Tompkins for the foreseeable future. I'm I'm hoping that we might pick up Martin Jones. I think I think I'd be fine with that. But I think he's probably the best of the bunch available. Yeah, that they can get. Um, but they they still got actually they they played the very first game of the season against Nashville. So either someone on uh, Tampa or Nashville will get the first goal of the season. So that'll be fun to pay attention to but they still got a couple days to figure out you know what what they're going to do and how their gold tank situation is going to work out i hope tanner you know drops a hat trick on his, on his big return to nashville i just hope he has a good season in general i hope he can just stay healthy and play yeah. his game because he the, the trade just looks so bad right now but knowing what you can get out of Geno, especially on tampa bay <laughs> like it it could turn out to like it could look good for Tampa Bay. It's just he he's really got to get it going this season. Yeah, I remember when that trade got announced. I was so like I was. This is not even cope. This is like I was genuinely so jacked because I hadn't seen what he had done that year. But I had seen. I remember doing a lot of fantasy stuff and watching his rookie year and being like, I've never heard of this guy. He's some rookie. And he's hitting everything that he that moves, and he's he had like twenty goals or something or close to it. Like he was he was doing yeah. all that stuff that you want, and uh, he looked like a good up and coming power forward that can fight, hit, score, kind of do it all. Yeah, and then we traded for him, and he's also still an RFA. So, and I was like, man, like this looks like it might be insane. And a lot of people pointed all you know all the picks plus Cal Foot, but realistically, Cal Foot was was a throw in. Because we don't want it, didn't want his yeah, salary like cap at that point. Nashville let him let him walk. He went to the Devils. He just got put on waivers. The big reason Nashville was able to get the amount of picks back that they did for him was solely, I mean, not only the fact that like Geno is a good player and Tampa Bay knew what he brought. I mean, it, it didn't really work out last season, but the big thing was the fact that first of all, he was an he was an RFA, so Tampa still owns his rights. And secondly, he was still coming in on his rookie deal. So he was making like nothing. And yeah. that was huge for Tampa going to the plus where they didn't have a lot of money to work with. So, you know, bringing in a guy that, you know, can be a, a 20 goal score on the third line that can hit, fight, get in there, mix up, do it all. Like that's valuable. It's very similar to, you know, San Jose getting a first round pick for Barclay Goodrow a couple years ago. You know, a guy yeah. that's always just been a, you know, a third fourth line you know you're going to get maybe 10 goals from him 20 to 25 points but you know the leadership he brought the physicality the the defensive play of him just a real bastard to play against like nobody wants to be line matched against guys like that yeah and then his cheap contract was you know um was was just something that made him even more valuable yeah i uh I'm definitely still hopeful for him. I, I'm hoping that he'll have a big year uh, playing with uh, Nick Paul on that third line. Yeah. Uh, maybe, with, maybe with Mikey Asimont. I think that could be a really fun line to watch. I think Asimont. I, I, I really do like Asimont. I thought he was awesome in San Jose. I was kind of upset when they they traded him, but it was a good move by Mike Gurr, you know, 
you claim a guy off waivers and turn it into a fourth round pick in the end is solid. Um, yeah. But I, I just, I don't think he's a, you know, a third liner. Mm. I think he's more the one of those guys you, you have on the fourth line that, you know, you can trust her on a nightly basis. Yeah. Um, but I think his play hey, who, style who just knows? fits in well with uh, Nick Paul and Tanner Janot. That's just uh maybe, maybe not even in the regular season, more of a, uh, uh, bastard line to play against in the playoffs, but uh, yeah, I see yeah. what you're saying. It's funny because tonight I'm pretty sure he played on the left wing with uh, Point and Kucherov. Oh, did he? Obviously, you know, just preseason shenanigans and Hagel wasn't playing, but yeah. Um, just because like I mentioned it, and now I'm kind of off on a different topic here. I got one more thing before we go into. Uh, predictions for the upcoming season and whatnot. The New York Rangers. So what do they do at this point with Lafreniere? Because, you know, preseason's wrapping up in in four preseason games. All he's got is one assist. He's a minus four. Uh, You know, he's going to be turning 22 pretty soon here in, in about a week or so. Like what? What do they do with him at this point now? I think, I think we're, we're past the point now where people make their man. Well, he's, he was a first overall pick. Like the, you know, he he's still a, a first overall player. Like realistically, no, he's not because he's at the same point in his career now when Yakupov is with the Oilers, <laughs> and it just it wasn't working there. And people are like, well, he was still he's still a first overall pick, yeah, but he's fucking bad. So. Uh, and and there's just nowhere for him to move up in the lineup. Like he's constantly going to be third liner, some maybe sometimes fourth liner. No power play time. Like, at what point yeah. do they just cut their losses and try to get the most most back that you can get for him right now? I I think they need to do it soon. I think you still can get a good decent haul back for him because of that first overall pedigree. I think it's as soon as one more year or even halfway through this year where that wears off. But I think there would still be enough interest if they said we're looking to shop him. Um, I can't remember who... Uh, oh, it was before Jack Eichel went to Vegas. Uh, there was talks of Eichel going to New York and Lafreniere was one of the untouchables in that trade that they yeah. talked about. And that... That just looks so bad looking back on it because, man, could you imagine Eichel on that team? And, I mean, have fun with Lafreniere or whatever he's doing. Um, I think they could still get a decent little something back for him. And you know what? At this point, you know that Lafreniere is not... He might still end up being a great player, but if he does, it's not going to be with the Rangers. It doesn't work with their system. It doesn't work with their current roster. It's not going to happen. So, you know what? Yeah. If you if he's only going to be a fourth liner for you when you trade him, all you need to get back is a fourth liner or better and you've won the trade. It doesn't matter if he goes somewhere else and puts up 80 points per year because he wasn't going to do that for you. There Yeah, exactly. It doesn't matter if he's lighting it up in, I don't know, Seattle if you go and win the freaking cup this year with some of those pieces you get back. So, yeah. 
realistically, even though you might be getting less overall value in the trade, I think you make the trade and you try and win the cup while your team is at its peak. I, I completely agree. I'll also say even, if you're moving Lafreniere, while I don't think his value is, you know, at, at an all-time high, like it, it, it's honestly quite quite low. But if you're the Rangers, there's a world... I don't know what team, but I inv- I can see a, a a a trade where the Rangers move out Lafreniere, um, you know whatever the return is I don't know, but there's a and it's no secret that you know the Rangers kind of want to trade Barclay Goodrow, which is where this whole um, conversation originated from. Was talking about him. There's a world where they could include him in mm-hmm. in a trade with Lafreniere. Because now the other teams that, you know, entertained in the idea of, of getting Lafreniere and maybe seeing if uh, they can make it work with him there. Um, but then the Rangers can also get rid of Goodrow's contract, which is a little over $3.6 million for another four years. Which, again, a guy who's kind of a third, fourth line. Like, I know he's a captain on their team, but he's still a third or fourth liner making that money. And he's not putting up the the numbers that he was with, with Tampa Bay. Yeah. So if you're the Rangers and you can find a way to trade Lafreniere and Goodrow for maybe like a, I don't even, I don't even know what the return to be. Cause I don't know what, what people are viewing Lafreniere's value at and what the baggage of taking on Goodrow is, but like it, it's not out of the realm that the Rangers could make that work. And then still, because you've still brought in guys like, you know, Blake Wheeler, Nick Bonino in the off season who are, are, you know, Blake Wheeler could still be a very effective, you know, second, maybe even a French first line uh, winger, depending on their system. Benino's a very good fourth line center, kills penalties. Uh, so, like, they've they've still got depth they can work with, even moving out Lafreniere and, and Goodrow. So, but, like, I just want to see Lafreniere get traded so bad. Yeah, I I genuinely do think he will become a good a very good at the bottom at the minimum a top 6 player somewhere else. I just I feel like we've seen so many rookies stagnate in New York and it doesn't help that there's no room in the lineup for them to move up unless they are already playing at an elite level. Like yeah. and I won't I won't even say that like he'll never become a good player because he's in a very similar situation that Tage Thompson was in and he's reaching that point in his career kind of around when Tage Thompson was moved and then we saw what Tage Thompson went on to do with Buffalo and so I like I think that there's still the the chance for Lafreniere to turn his career around and actually become maybe not the, the player everybody thought at first but he can still become a very good and valuable player but it'll never happen on the Rangers. And and if it does, then it comes at the cost of Capo Caco. You you know, then he becomes then then he then you you never know what he could have became because he's not gonna get that shot. So Yeah. And it kind of sounds like Capo Caco's the more valuable player to them. Yeah. It sounds like they're, they're absolutely more right now as score. he should be at this point. So I think Lafreniere, I think the Rangers just gotta be like, you know what? We shouldn't have even got the first overall pick to begin with because they were technically a playoff team in the eyes of people in the bubble and whatnot. So it's dumb that 
they still got a chance to win the cup, but they also got a first overall pick out of their pick. Yeah, I, I didn't like that to begin with. No, so, I mean, you look at it. Toronto it's not was a, close like, it's to getting loss, them, but like, yeah. And again, I, I think we probably would have seen a kind of a similar thing in Toronto. Maybe Toronto would have given him power play time. I think but... he would have gotten at least a chance at some point to play on the because he's a left winger, right? I think he would have got at least a chance to play with Marner and Matthews. And if it worked, and they've been looking for a good left winger forever to stay with those guys, if that clicked, I, like, who knows? Uh, Toronto might already have a cup if that really worked out as he was projected to be. But, uh... Yeah, yeah. One team that that, uh, immediately sticks out in my mind, and it fits their timeline, and it really fits their MO. Um, Montreal. Montreal. Yeah, and and that was my first team because I did think th- they they can make it work to, um, like take on Goodrow's contract, take on Goodrow's contract, and bring in Lafreniere, and you know they they wouldn't want to give up a first because they're still rebuilding. But you know what? Uh, maybe for New York, just to get both those salaries out, so they could bring in somebody else and. You know, maybe maybe all you take back is a uh, uh, second, and well, see, you know it's going to be a good second or something. The thing is with Montreal is it's very possible. I'm not like it, it's probably not going to happen because I think people I think that would just break the heart of Montreal fans. But like we know, Carey Price is probably most likely 99% sure never going to play again. The yeah. Rangers have the money; they could easily take his contract. You know, he doesn't count towards the cap hit, but they can pay him. And then I think that would go a long way with really like now boosting that value that they could they could get a decent return from Montreal. But and you know what? Teams love because... that LTIR money, so that Montreal would make a lot of sense. Montreal wouldn't trade their first round pick, and if they did, no. there would, it would obviously be conditional, like top ten protected. Yeah, or whatever. it have to be protected. Um, and you know what? They'd probably have conditions on it that it's protected, and the next one, if it slides, is also protected. Yeah, so like it's possible, and that's kind of the one thing that I see making the most sense. Like, if Lafreniere becomes available, you know, Montreal is going to be all in. Like, that's right up their alley. Yeah. Um, and if I'm the Rangers, it's just you got to pull the trigger eventually because Lafreniere is not getting younger. He's clearly not getting better on the Rangers, and they they just don't have a spot for him. Really. I mean, at the at the end of the day, he's a liability. Like they're playing him on fourth line, but that's only because he was a first overall pick and they want it to work. They're hoping it changes overnight. He's barely playing at replacement level. Like, yeah, he barely yeah, belongs exactly. in the NHL, let alone in that top six where we think he might be able to thrive. So exactly. Yeah. You know, if, uh, it, it sucks when, with all that perceived value, but if that trade is what's going to make your team better, do the thing that makes your team better. Exactly. Um, I mean, I I think it just makes the most sense for the Rangers, especially if you're able to make it work to get out those bad contracts and have more cap space to work with. I think that's a huge win for them. Will they do it? Probably not, because Laffiner is still a big name because he's a first overall pick. And the Rangers just love having those guys that that have that name or or value. So Yeah, and it's... Yeah, they they just love gathering all those big name players and 
Yeah. And yeah, no, GMs never want to be wrong, even if it might be good for them right now, even if, you know, it was a good trade for their, their team. If he Mm -hmm. went to do well somewhere else, you know, everyone would be like, oh, see, he would have done this with you when even if he wouldn't, you know, the GMs never want to seem wrong. Like, it's very possible if Tage Thompson stayed on the Blues, he wouldn't even be in the league anymore. He he might be over in Europe. Like, it's... I mean, he sucked. He sucked with the Blues. And then yeah. he got good in Buffalo. He wouldn't have gotten this good with St. Louis. I don't believe it. No. You, you don't get that good overnight. You get that good moving halfway across the country and working with all different people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I completely agree. But, uh... Um... Enough about yeah. enough about first round picks. Let's uh, let's move on to our projected NHL awards. Let's do it. Where where do you want to start? So we kind of did our predictions before we hopped on here, and just kind of just the major awards. Um, we're just making predictions on who we think can each win each one. We're probably going to be wrong on most of them because it's almost impossible to predict these. Uh, I will the tell you right now, you're. Prob there, I don't see many worlds where you don't get more right than me. This is a pretty goofy looking list, if I'm honest. <laughs> but you think I'm gonna get more right than you? Probably. Oh, okay. all right. Um, one rule we did put in place is that whoever won the award last year, we're not allowed to bet on them to win it. So basically, we this just year. can't pick McDavid. Yeah, we can't pick McDavid. Uh, yeah, you can't pick uh crap, what's his name? Pasternak? No, no, I had a funny joke, but it didn't work. Who's the who's the idiot who played for uh Toronto who went to Carolina? Bunting? Yeah, Bunting. I was gonna say you can't pick Bunting for the Calder. Yeah. Oh, I absolutely fumbled it. But uh yeah, you can't pick somebody who'd won the award last time. Mm-hmm. Um, which one do you want to start with? Uh, maybe we'll save the uh, the Hart and the Lindsay for after we've done the the Rocket, the Norris, and the Art Ross. Okay. Just because those you know those kind of predictions can play into it. Um, let's let's start there. Let's start with the Rocket. Oh. Starting off with the big one. Yeah. Um, I'll go first. I don't know. I don't. This one was a kind of a toss up, but I ended up going with Austin Matthews. Yeah, I also went with Austin Matthews. I think he's going to come back good this year. And I mean, there's there's not much really explaining behind it. Like he's Austin Matthews. We know he can. He's kind of the next next guy up there. Matthews missed quite a few games last year and he still hit like 40 goals um and toronto's team is way better than it was last year which is crazy because they were already a good team yeah and you know pasternak doesn't have uh he doesn't have uh bergeron centering him so it's gonna be a lot harder for him to put up you know 61 goals or whatever he got to so yeah yeah so yeah matt matthews is the safe bet we went with it were pussies. Um, <laughs> uh, do you want to do Selkie next? We'll kind of go back and forth and pick ones. 
All right. Okay, who do you, you, you got for his top keep? Uh, I have his wingmate, Mitch Marner. Really? Yeah, I think he he does so well. He's so responsible defensively for how much offense he chips in. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I I see it. It's really wild. Uh, like most guys that are in the conversation for the Selkie are usually like eighty point guys who are good defensive centers, but like to be able to play the wing and put up the points that. Marner does and then also be able to be defensively responsible and be so good on the penalty kill. I think yeah. I think he's got a real shot at it. I tried yeah, to avoid no. my I tried to avoid the the what I felt like was a bit of an obvious pick, but maybe some people wouldn't what, what see is it that? as such. Uh I I've seen a lot of people thinking it's gonna be Nico Heesher this year. Okay, well that, that that's who I picked was Heesher. Yeah, yeah, I figured. He's a... Uh, I was Pro- really if you're making an actual bet, it's probably the smart, the smart play. I was really between Heischer and Kopitar, um, but I ended up going with Heischer because I don't. Doubles know, are on the up and up. Punch feeling. Yeah, right. so not much explaining to that one. Like that's kind of the obvious one, but yeah. Uh, next, we got the Norris. Who do you have for the defenseman of the year? I have, I want to, I want to say Heiskanen, but I know it's based all off points, so I'm going with Makar. Yeah, I mean, nobody's going to argue with with you for saying Makar winning a Norris, right? And I think yeah. he's at the point where people love his name recognition. I think if it's a tie, I think he gets the second vote. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Like there was. A lot of people making arguments that Makar should still win the Norris last year, even though he missed a lot of games and his point totals weren't, you know, outstanding compared to some other guys in, in terms of games played and whatnot. So he's he's kind of yeah. just a safe one to go to when guys are like, oh, I'm I'm unsure, so I'll just like Makar is just the safe, easy pick, and no one's gonna bat an eye at it. Yeah. Um. It's funny that you mentioned it because I did go for Miro Heiskanen. Did you? Yeah, he he just keeps getting better and he's so good. And he's so good. And Dallas only seems to be getting better. Like their team just keeps improving like all throughout. Um mm-hmm. Yeah, that uh like that top power play for them is going to be pretty crazy this year. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would honestly love to see Heiskanen win the Norris. I think he I think he's a top five defenseman in the league, honestly. I think he just gets overshadowed by you know, just the love for Makar on Colorado and the love for Adam Fox. Like, don't get me wrong, they're both good players, but they get like all the attention. Like Heiskanen could get do a lot something. of the attention for like, sure. Heiskanen could do something and it doesn't get noticed, but then Fox and Makar could do the exact same thing and it's like just it's talked about like crazy. Yep. Like and, and I think a lot of it just has to do with the team they're on and you know, Colorado just won the cup, so they're a big focus. The Rangers, I mean, it's it's the Rangers, so obviously. But I th- I, I think it would be awesome if Heiskanen was able to uh to win that, and you know what, with Dallas, it's definitely it's uh, it's it's a possibility. 
Yeah, I'm. I'm hoping to be able to pick him up in uh, again for fantasy this year. That's for sure. Yeah, he's always a safe bet to go because you know you're at least. It, you know what you're at least going to get out of the base out of him, and then there's so much upside. Yeah. Um, um, you pick the next one. Fuck it. Let's let's do the Calder. Yeah. Okay. This is this is one of the two that I have my answer, and then I actually have something in brackets beside. I'm gonna tell you my guess, and then I'll I'll save the second part after you tell me yours. Okay. Um. So for the Calder, I have Connor Bedard. Yeah, I have Bedard too, but I feel like that one's kind of a layup, so I also do have someone else picked. Just as like I, a side one, just like because... Yeah, I I was close to saying... think I was thinking maybe Logan Cooley, but uh, in brackets, I put should be Adam Fantilli. I think there's a... I think Fantilli might have a better year than Bedard, but I think if Bedard is even close to being the top the r- top rookie that they're going to give it to him just because mm-hmm. they love, you know, he, he looks like he's going to be the next generational talent in the league and they're going to want to pad his trophy case. Yeah. And honestly, let's be real. If they're debating between who wins a Calder on Chicago or on Columbus, they're good. Most guys are going to yeah. lean towards Chicago. Um, yeah, so I've I've Bedard picked, but in off to the side I do have Logan Cooley was my pick. Logan Cooley was yours, okay. Yeah, I, I I think I think he could have a very good year with Arizona, and I think he's gonna get that opportunity to like really kind of have. He's just, he's just gonna be putting big opportunities and one of their go to guys where he's gonna have the opportunity to really thrive. And yeah. I think up front there is enough talent with that Coyotes team that he can work with that alone, um, regardless of the depth, that he can still be very productive for them. Yeah, I I was very close to going with him, but I I just figured Fantilli had more guys around him. Like if he can get his make his way into the top six or on the first line and play with Goudreau, Line, then I mean. Mm-hmm. If he's playing with those guys for at least 60 games of the year, it's his Calder to lose, really. Yeah, exactly, right? Playing with guys that caliber. Um, so you got, you got four to pick from here now. Because I think um, we're, just, we're kind of saving the team ones for the end, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, let's go with the Vesna, the goaltender of the year. I, I got okay. a feeling I know who you're picking for this. Yeah. And again, this this one's kind of tough because a lot of it is based on a, a big portion of the voting comes based off wins. Um, but I, I have Ilya Sorokin picked. Now, I don't know how good the Islanders are going to do. And if, you know, Sorokin's going to have a bunch of wins, you know, being on the Islanders, considering I do kind of have them on a, on a, on a wild card, I think they make the plus, but in a wild card spot, so that lowers his win total compared to some other guys. But I think what if he puts up kind of similar numbers to what he did last year, I think, I think he's he's got it. It's just because Allmark had just an insane year last year. Like it was hard not to, you know, be like, yeah, Allmark's yeah. the clear guy. So I think yeah, Stroken can yeah, do he, what he did last year. 
Absolutely. Um, yeah, and I I was very close to going with Sorokin uh, as well, just because uh, Vasilevsky is going to be missing too much time to win a win an award. I think, unless he goes mm. absolutely super sane in the uh, last two thirds of the year. Um, but I I was going to go with Sorokin, but then I remembered another man who's always getting overlooked, including when I made my list, and that's UC Soros. No. And he he was he stole other than McDavid, he might have won more games for his team than anyone else did in the NHL last year. Probably yeah. also outside Carlson. I I can see that. But I think again, a big chunk of it really comes down to you know, how many wins does a goalie have? And I just don't see Nashville being a super good team next year. Like, I think they kind of yeah. took, you know, one step forward, two steps back type of thing. So I just don't see Soros getting enough wins to really have enough people looking in his direction of like, of that. But I mean, if he plays, you know, if he ends up playing 65 to 70 of the games, maybe like, in that 67 area, like it is possible because then he could still, you know, throw together potentially 30 wins and still have decent numbers. So yeah, like it, it's possible, but I just think on Nashville, I think it's a little, it might be a little too tough. Yeah. And I, I wasn't sure on that one because I, you know, I, I hate that. I hate that uh, you have to take wins into account. Because, I do too. Because the if a goalie is like head and shoulders better, like like point six save percentage better than everyone else below him, but he has you know fifteen less wins, but he has that better save percentage in the same amount of games played, then yeah, I think he was still the better goalie. His team just didn't keep up. But I would almost rather see the NHL do something where it's like it kind of similar to the the Jennings award where it's like wins aren't really a factor in who wins the Vesna, but to be eligible, you have to play say 50 plus games. Yeah. And then you just go from the goalies that all played 50 plus games and then look at kind of all their stats from there and don't like wins can still matter to an extent. Like if you're maybe doing a tie break or something and one goalie's got say 38 wins and the other one's got 28 or something like yeah. that's understandable, but wins shouldn't be a big a big that should focus. not be one of the first things you look at, for sure. Exactly. Yeah, yeah I, I completely agree. And I know, you know, there's probably a lot of people that would be like, Do, should we really have a 45 or a 50 game minimum? Because then guys who are in a tandem wouldn't have the chance. And it's like, well, if you shouldn't be the 1A and have a 1B and be the Vesna winner. At that also, point, you, you, say- you would be a 1 and a 2. Like, also, how can you give a goalie an award for best goalie in the league if the team he's on doesn't even recognize him as their better goalie if they have to play him in a tandem? Like it. Yeah. Like it should like be. If they start in a tandem and then they steal and they steal the show, kind of like Allmark did last year, then by all means. But if you're splitting the games 41 41, then it's hard to make you're... that argument. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, 
I'll let, I'll let you choose which one you want between Art Ross and Hart. Uh, Jack Adams. The Head Jack coach Adams. of the year. I have... This is... Uh, this one is heavily tied in with my season predictions. Um, okay. And that being Craig Berube of the St. Louis Blues. Okay. If you'll, re- if you'll remember, I have them making the playoffs in third in oh, the yeah, Central no. Division. Oh, no, I, I remember that. And so, I remember that very clearly. And you know what? That's pretty, that's pretty goofy. So I think if they do get up to third and make the playoffs in that division, uh, how do you not, with that team, how, how do you not give it to Craig Berube? See, so I don't think he's going to. Because like, I don't see a world where St. Louis makes the playoffs, personally. That's fair. Um. Mine, so I, I went in a completely different approach. I went the route of, I think they're, again, you know, they're going to give it to the, you know, the, the top the team. coach on one of the best teams. So I went with Jay Woodcroft on Edmonton. Mm. Um, and by no means do I think he's the best coach. And like, I personally don't even have him in my top, like, 15, honestly. Yeah. Um, uh, but it's, I think at the end of the, the day, it's the most underrated Edmonton, coach award. It's not really the g- best coach of the yeah, year. So award. I, I, I really do see Edmonton having a great season and being probably the most um, dominant team in the West, not the league, because we'll get into the Presidents Trophy later. Yeah. Um, but I, I think Edmonton just becomes such a force. I think their power play is going to be so good, and so I think Woodcroft's going to get a lot of credit for that. And so I think he ends up, um, and, and, and he ends up winning the Jack Adams for best coach. So not that's not a, a whole lot that's a good to guess, it. Kind of a, for sure. a basic pick, but also kind of an outside the box one. But it's it's a little bit out there, yeah. Maybe Take not as pick. much as Craig Berube, but you know, yeah. You got your um, pick between the Hart or the Art Ross. Uh, we've done some of the other big ones. I say we do the Art Ross so that, uh, the heart, it's kind of, cause surely we're probably both going to have the heart or, or Lindsay, uh, winners be the same as either the Art Ross, the rocket or the Norris. That's what you like. <laughs> unless, unless he's a madman. I have, I have every, every, I have no one winning the same award twice. You have nobody winning the same award. You're crazy. Well, I mean, the, the Art Ross and the uh, Ted Lindsay, I'm probably just going to say like they're thrown together or something because that's usually kind of just how it goes. Yeah. I just put Hart slash Lindsay for mine. Cause oh, see, it, so I went with, I went with Art Ross and, oh no, never mind. Yeah. I had Hart and Lindsay. Never mind. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because they're the same award, but one's voted on by the players and one's voted on by, uh, is it the coaches or is it like media members? I think it's, it's a, I think it's a, I'm not even sure. I, well, actually, I think it's by the players. And Ked Lindsay's by the players. The Lindsay is by the players. The yeah, heart is, the heart is by, the um, voting committee. Like yeah, it's the, it's the media guys. voting committee because, yeah, because that's the one where, um, the one freaking goober put Pasternak first, and then he had McDavid like fourth, fifth. That dude need do not only should that dude not be able to ever vote for uh, any awards again, he shouldn't be able to vote in his country of origin at that point. Like, don't let this man make any decisions. 
This dude shouldn't yeah. decide what he has for breakfast in the morning. That <laughs> um. <laughs> being said, for for the Art Ross, uh, I went with Nikita Kucherov. Which is, is a very solid pick. I went with Leon Dreisaitl. Yeah. Uh, I mean, That's fair. I was kind of between Dreisaitl. Kucherov was kind of in there. But I was just like, you know what? If I can't go with McDavid, the next closest is probably going to be dry side. Like, I think that's just kind of the way it's going to be for the next X amount of years until Chicago can put a team around Bedard, maybe. But I think as long as McDavid and dry side are, you know, every now and then playing on the same line, on the same power play out there in overtime together, like, usually if one's getting a point, the other one's contributed in some way. Like, that's so. So yeah. I, I went with with the easy route behind McDavid Drysaddle there. Yeah, that's fair. I I I didn't uh, pick Drysaddle just because it it kind of felt almost like picking McDavid in a way. Even though yeah, he's he'd be a great pick for the Art Ross, the Hart Lindsay, even the Rocket. Honestly, yeah, yeah. Like it, I, he was almost he was kind of one of the guys I was toying with for the rocket but i was like you know what i, I want to try and do them all differently so that's fair uh and then lastly the heart trophy league mvp for league I'm, mvp spoiler we didn't pick goalies or defensemen because they don't win them anymore it which basically is, goes to one of the top players usually the guy with the most points it really sucks it's too bad like 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 I said earlier, honestly, the Hart Trophy finalists last year should have been McDavid, Carlson, and Saros or something like that. Like I easily could have seen a world where it's it was three different well, positions. I mean McDavid. I mean all three guys were still like I mean McDavid and pa- like McDavid the season he had alone, but then Pasternak put up, you know, sixty points, Kachuk I mean, carried that Florida team hard, not only in the playoffs, but like even through yeah. the regular season. Like, it would have been cool to see Carlson get that recognition, but I understand, you know, you, you they usually go with guys who are in the playoffs. And I mean, the season Boston had, you know, through Pasternak and what he did, McDavid season, Kachuk, our yeah. Florida into the playoffs and carrying a team that struggled through a lot of injuries and concerns. Like, yeah. That, it would have been cool to see some other guys, but like yeah, they couldn't. They they made three excellent selections. I think still. So. Yeah, it's uh, I I hate the argument that it has the heart winner has to be a guy who made the playoffs. It like, makes sense though. Like it it does make sense. I get what the I get the argument, but I just don't like it. Like 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 if, I think like Carlson Carlson did Carlson so much did. for the Sharks compared so to one of what Pasternak did for the Bruins. Yeah. Like, like realistically, without like Carlson as a defenseman, not only a hundred points, he contributed to over forty percent of the team's goals. Yeah. Like when you're when your defenseman is a part of forty percent of your team's goals, it might even be higher, honestly. Yeah, like, like if everyone could have been insane. up near that high forties, but like so at that point, it's like yeah, you can make that argument, but then it's also like I mean, they still did finish fucking fourth last in the league. I mean, without him, they're easily last place in the league like and it's not even close yeah so you you can make the argument but it was just one of those years again where it's just those three guys of kachuk pasnack mcdavid all made so much sense yeah 
And San Jose doesn't get a lot of media love. This is also that. Although he did win the Norris, but we're not focusing on that. We're focusing on the heart. Um, who do you have picked for the heart? Uh, I'm curious I have, to see. We might have the same guy. Uh, writ, so written down, I have Austin Matthews. Okay, uh, so Cheeks. All right. I have him for the Rocket and the Heart slash Lindsay. Okay. I think, I think he could have an absolute monster year. I think a lot of people are down on him just because he... Just because he uh, didn't play a full set of 82 last year, so his numbers yeah. were down in general, but I think he still scored at an insane rate. People were predicting, oh, they, this could be the year Matthews dropped 70. It's like, no. Like, the only guy that could genuinely drop 70 is McDavid. Yeah. Like, and that's the only guy. And I wouldn't honestly be shocked if we don't see another 60-goal season from McDavid, though. Like, I think that maybe could have been, like, the only one he gets because that's so hard to do, to put up 60 in the league and do it, like, constantly. Like, that's almost... Like, McDavid dropping 60 goals is almost the equivalent, I'd say, of Carlson putting up 100 points again in back-to-back seasons. Like, it's just... It's yeah. so tough to do. It doesn't do happen. People don't, literally like... When people like, saw Matthews do it, they were like, is he going to hit 60 next year? Is he going to hit 70? I was like, dude, they don't get how hard it is. Pasternak, yeah. uh, people, some people are like wondering if he can continue that. They don't know how hard it is. With McDavid, I'm actually sitting here going, I'm always the guy saying they don't get it. It's way too hard. Like McDavid is, is so nuts. He, could, is he could do it if he just feels like it. Yeah. But maybe he feels like is, is more like... points instead. Like It really depends if he's going to be shoot first or pass first. Yeah, and it's and it's not even one of those things you can be like, well, now teams are going to game plan. Teams have been trying to fucking game plan him since he entered the league, and they still can't. Like, if, if you McDavid just... really wants to, he could easily probably put up 60. I just realistically don't see that happening. Like, it's not that he yeah. doesn't want to. I just see, you know, yeah, I don't know. I just don't see him. It's just so hard to do. Yeah, and you, yeah, you can't game plan for guys like that. If you could just say this guy's the best, make him not score then Gretzky wouldn't have had, like, 2,700 points. Like, Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. And people were allowed to water ski and hook and all kinds of crap back then. So, you know, it yeah. just sometimes doesn't work like that. Yeah, exactly. Um, I um, went in a different route for the heart. I went with, an, with kind of a newcomer that uh, doesn't really have much or if any hardware, actually, I think. He might not have any hardware, I don't know. Um, but I went with Jack Hughes. I th I thought you might have. I, I noticed I that Jack Hughes whole already in considering your what list. he did last year, and now that Devils team is only going to get better. I think it's going to be huge for him, not only on the ice but off the ice, to have you know his brother Luke on the team because now that's you know road trips, you know travel with your brother, going to games with your brother, being on the same team, getting to bunk with them. I think is going to do a lot for him right there. And they're not even considering just all the talent the Devils brought in, you know, dating even back from the trade deadline to present. You know, they've all had an offseason together, training. Meyer, like, Toffoli. They've got a just, stacked team. Like, they they have a very, very good team. And Hughes is, is going to be leading the charge and, you know, kind of at the center, center fold of it all. So I wouldn't be shocked in the slice. He, he honestly... I mean, actually, I can't even say Art Ross because, like, realistically, McDavid's going to win. But we can't pick him 
but like I can still see Hughes maybe getting up in there in that that second spot around maybe even ahead of Dry Sidle, but I I think yeah. I think he's if if we can't go with McDavid, I think Hughes is probably runner up. And if not runner up, then he's the winner. That's fair. Um I was trying to think of a, another answer for the heart that I could throw out there just because I already picked Austin Matthews and you you didn't do any uh double ups. Um I could see it if he can string together a full healthy 82. I could see it going to. I was going to say Nathan McKinnon. Oh, okay. Yeah. Playing with Makar, Rantanen's taking his game to the next level. uh, Yeah, I'm just curious. He scored at a really high rate. He just hasn't been able to stay healthy long enough. And that's one of those. And that's the thing I'm worried about. Like, I know people keep going back to, like, well, Landeskog's not playing. It's like Landeskog didn't fucking play, like, at all last year. I'm not even sure if he did play last year. I can't remember. But McDave, or McKinnon was still just fine without him. And they've got still players that can easily slot in there and somewhat be around just as effective. So I don't see the Landeskog thing, you know, playing yeah. a role. Um, Landeskog was not the play driver either. Like it, It's just weird to think about. Like McKinnon's the highest paid player in the league. But it's like, it just feels weird because it's like he's he's never been up in that like oh could he win the, you know the Art Ross or maybe the Heart like he's he's just he's never been that you know, I don't know it just feels kind of weird you know like it it's never felt like he's ever really been like that definitive yeah I think three. that's just mostly because of the health between obviously McDavid uh, being there you know around since he's been good but also well, like, that's the thing you think about the consensus is like mcdavid one mccarr two or if it's not mccarr it's dry saddle and then at three you know then you're tossing around either the other one of mccarr dry or austin matthews nathan mckinnon some people throw kucherov in there like it's yeah it, yeah it just it just never felt like he was like that you know he's always just kind of lumped in with with all those guys around him type of thing and i really i do think well, a full healthy season, he could easily, um, you, you know, catapult and take off into that next year. He kind of separates himself from some of the other guys, but we just, that just kind of at the point where we need to see it happen. It's like we yeah. know he his points per game has been insane for years now, but last year was his first hundred point season because he's just, he'd just never been healthy enough. And if he can, yeah, exactly, put it all together for one calendar year, then. He's golden. Yeah, I mean, like, last year, like, I mean, 111 points in 71 games. That was the first time he ever had more than 100 points in a season. And only the second time in his career that he put up more than 40 goals in a season. Yeah. So, I mean, like, it's... But again, I guess you look at the playoffs, like, I mean, he does have 100 points in 77 games. He does have a cup. Yeah. Uh, You know, probably, I would assume, you know, maybe the captain soon. It's stuff doesn't sound great around Landeskog. So if, you know, he can't come back, I see McDate or McKinnon I saw easily rumors that they're hoping he'll be back for the playoffs. I heard Landeskog. he's completely like he's, he's shut down for the whole season. It sounds like yeah. they're taking the, the route of, even if we make the playoffs, don't come back. You're going to take a full calendar year and just rehab, get fully healthy. So when you come back, you know, you're good because the mm-hmm. last thing they want to do is it'd be like, Oh, we're in the playoffs now. Like, come back in and then he tweaks something or gets hit the wrong way. And then all of a sudden it's like, boom, careers now 
yeah. could potentially be done. So m- my belief is he, he doesn't play at all. I, w- I would certainly hope that they wouldn't rush him back because, you know, or he would even rush himself back because, you know, how competitive these guys are to try and play in the playoffs. Um, I would I definitely think it makes hope it they a little would take bit easier as long as possible. Yeah, and I think it makes it a little bit easier on the fact that they've at least won a cup now. And so they're yeah. not like in that stage again, you know, it sucks, but like where San Jose was, where it's like, you know, our, our windows kind of close and like it's it's now or never type of thing. Like they at least got one and they've still got that, you know, core of McKinnon, uh, Brant and McCarr, even Landeskog like locked up long term. So they can still he can still run it back with them next year type of thing. Like it's not like He's got to rush back, and it's it's now or never for them, like it was a couple years ago. Yeah. But anyways, enough about that. What about the big ones? The big. Uh, I think you missed one. What did I miss? Unless you, unless you're crazy, unless I'm I crazy. I, I don't know what I missed. Uh, you missed the Lady Bing trophy. Oh, are we really doing the Pussy Award? Yeah, we're doing the Lady Bing trophy. I can't even think of who's the biggest bitch off the top of my head. Well, you can't um, pick. You can't pick the guy that I picked because you already said him. I'm going with Jack Hughes. I I don't even know who to go with. Give me. Uh, they they usually only pick forwards for this. Uh, yeah. Well, they're all guys with like a low amount of penalty minutes, right? And you just end up with more as a defenseman, I think. Yeah, I, I can't even think of anyone off the top of my head. I, I don't know. Give me Johnny Goudreau. He's That's a not a bad pick. For it. <laughs> I don't know. It's a word I don't know. I, like, I get it, but at the same time, it's like... I don't know. I, it's just I, one of those weird ones. I just... Yeah. It's basically like, hey, you're the, you're, you're the nice guy. You're not getting in there like you're i know it's just there's not just a lot of people that feel neutral about it it's a people who are either like it's the award that means you're not trying hard enough for your team you're not getting in there or the people who are like yeah it just means he's like a good dude and he's got sportsmanship but But, you can still be a good dude and mix it up when need be like it basically means if you win that you're the guy when Again, like it's like your teammate gets run or something, and you're out there. You're you're the one turning a blind eye to it. Or if your team's getting rocked eight one, and you know you're not getting in there mixing up to try and spark something or whatever. And it's just yeah, it's just it's just one of those yeah. guys that's you know seems to watch on the sidelines when when things get tough, almost type of thing. Which is which is actually really interesting because <laughs> Braden Point was a finalist for it last year and he had a total of seven penalty minutes last year he had a fight against a future future teammate ace michael acemont and then he also had like a, a tripping penalty or whatever the other minor was yeah um but it, i i was so surprised at the end of the year to see how few penalties he had because he is one of those guys that's often in there shoving people but uh you know, I guess when you got you got Pat Maroon, Corey Perry, Sergachev, you know they're not going to give a penalty to every guy on the ice. Yeah, exactly. And they're they're only giving it to the tough customers who are making the biggest deal of it. So, yeah, I still can't believe they gave it to Kopitar. Like 
just looking at the numbers, it clearly should have been either Hughes or Point. Like, I didn't care which one of them it was, but Kopitar was like 25 points behind both of them. Yeah, but they also got to take his defensive game into account because that is a part of it. Maybe sure. it is. Oh, no. I don't really care enough about the award to, to know what it's fully based on. Um, but... Best type of sportsmanship and gentlemanly conduct combined with a high standard of playing ability. Yeah, that would include so, defensive yeah, so play. If, yeah, so if you take Kopitar's defense, like, it makes sense. Honestly, that should include defensemen a little more I as also, well, considering that. So, you know, think, you could throw a Slavin in there. I also wouldn't be surprised if, like, that... Lady Bing was kind of like a consolation prize for Kopitar for not winning the yeah. Selkie again because of Bergeron. Like, I very well could see that guys are like, well, I didn't vote. F- I didn't give him my number one pick for the, Absolutely. the Selkie. So I'll just make it up to him by throwing him down first on this one. I, I, that could very well be. Yeah, I don't doubt um, that at all. But to wrap it up uh, for this one, before we hop off here, we've got who we think will win the President's Trophy, and then the Stanley Cup for this season. We already kind of did our predictions for who we think is going to make the playoffs and who's going to miss in our four episodes, um, doing a division-by-division breakdown. If you want to know where what teams you have making the playoffs and missing, you can always feel free to go back to those and and give a listen to see how we, we have that shaken up. But... Uh, President's trophy who who do you got here for it i am um, number one so, team in the league i might add. so i had my pick and then i just scrolled down and realized i didn't even have them first in their division in our predictions <laughs> so i'm gonna so i'm gonna switch it to who i had first in that division and that is the new jersey devils okay so i i also do have the new jersey devils uh okay. winning the president's trophy i've been kind of blazing them I was pretty confident that you would have Carolina, which is what I did pick. No, I've got I've got New Jersey finishing above Carolina. Spoiler alert for that one, but uh, yeah, I mean it's it's again it's they were so good last year. I think given the additions they've brought in, and now they're gonna have a fully healthy Timo Meyer as well, who's already now um, you know been with the team all off season. He's got his number twenty eight back, like. you mentioned before. Um, I mean, yeah. And then, and then there's still the possibility that, you know, maybe they bring in like a Connor Hellebuck or something. If, if he's not sticking around Winnipeg, it sounds like New Jersey's kind of the clear option. It, that would be such just an insane team sense. if they added a guy like Hellebuck. Yeah. Like, I think it just makes the most sense for the Devils, unless uh, maybe a Dallas or an Edmonton really takes off. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. I don't know. Kind of just a safe pick. I was very close to going Toronto over Carolina be- when I was making my first pick. I think Toronto is going to finish right up there in the top of the league again. I think but, they're going to uh, be high up, but I also think just due to their they lose they lose just, enough games tough. every year to torment their fan base that it yeah. I can't see them winning the President's Trophy. Yeah, as easily. Yeah, it's just one of those teams where they just they, they it really comes down to just those, you know, four, five, six games they lose in the season. It's like they should have won, 
and they outplayed their opponent, but they just they didn't get the win. Like that's just a common thing for the Leafs every year. And so I think that honestly is probably what ends up separating them from, you know, winning the President's Trophy to not is just those few games that they should have won, but uh, just didn't. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the amount of games they lose to the Coyotes, the Ducks, uh, you know, Buffalo. Like Buffalo's better now, but they they lose to a lot of the bottom feeder teams, which is yes, yeah. it's almost an art form the way they do it. And really, like every team can make a solid case for them being in the playoffs in that division, probably except for Montreal. But we've even seen in the past that Montreal can can upset Toronto. So, yeah. Um, and all we, we got, got left, Stanley Cup. Yeah. Burundi, who do you have winning the cup this year? So, so last year, Boss won the Presence Trophy, right? Yeah. And we've seen the trend of like where teams win the presence trophy, lose early in the playoffs, and they come back the following year and win and win the cup. Yep. So with that said, you're not taking taking that into account. I'm going with the current presence trophy winner at the time wins a cup that year. I'm also picking the devils uh, to win the cup this year. Hmm. That's fair. I know. I know you already have them. I'm going with Boston. Obviously, you said you picked the Devils for the presidents, and I know you've already ever since the Timo Meyer trade, you've had them penciled in to make at least the Eastern Conference Finals. Because I know you yeah. want that first. Anything short of the Eastern Conference Finals for this team is is an L. Like, there's no reason that, especially that since they made it out of the first round last off. year against a really good Rangers team. Yeah. Like, it's not like they made, finally made the playoffs last year and then lost out in the first round in five. They really that, like, they lost they to Carolina, who got shelled, like, just got wrecked by Florida. Like, I think New Jersey would have put up a good fight against Florida. Surely so, a better fight, at least. But honestly, I think if New Jersey knows? knocks off Carolina, I think New Jersey probably ends up actually beating Florida. I think New Jersey was, like, the perfect matchup to take down Florida in that uh, Eastern... It's definitely possible. But yeah, so I do have the Devils um, winning both the Presence Trophy and the Cup this year, kind of breaking that Presence Trophy curse. Uh, I wouldn't mind seeing it. Uh, Not only do I like the Devils, but I hate hate that curse talk. Like, it's 16 teams make the playoffs. So even if you're the best team, it's really freaking hard to win the Cup. It's also literally... The hardest, and people say all the time, it's the hardest trophy to win in all of sports. Yeah, so easily. You can expect the best regular season team to win every year. Like it's, they outrageous. win. If you look at the stats, more than a sixteenth of a to- of the time they win the cup. So they have better odds than other people do. Generally, it's and just the way the I view it. They there's a trophy and they don't win it all the time. So people are they make a thing out of it. And I've always said this from the beginning, and I, and it's even easier to back up now looking at, you know, when the, the LA Kings won the Cup or even the Florida Panthers last year. Once the NHL playoff starts and it's all set, I, in my opinion, every single team has an equal chance of winning. And, like, I know yeah. it's like, well, yeah, technically, yeah, but it's like, I, like, genuinely, any team can go on a, a hot run right at the time of playoffs and win the Cup. 
Yeah. And you absolutely. could be the very best team in the regular season or one of the best teams in the league and didn't win the presence trophy. And you can just hit a wall, hit a hot goalie, go have your top player go through a cold streak or something in the playoffs. Like it's any team in there can win. So I agree. I think the presence trophy curses. 2019, St. Louis silly. barely squeaks in, and yeah, we don't care about they that, were the though. worst team in the league in January. Yeah, and we don't care about the Blues. They squeak in, and they get on a hot streak, and they win. Like it's uh, yeah, 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 exactly though, right? Like it's all it takes is to just everybody on the same page at the same time get get hot, get the juices going, and you're you're set. But get the good aside from all that, who do you have? Uh, picked for the cup this year so i this is the other one there where i have a team in brackets um i figured you just want another answer because my pick is the tampa bay lightning well yeah of course it is because i believe that the boys are going to run it back going to go for our third in uh four years i see tampa bay third and five but realistically, I end up seeing Tampa Bay like second, maybe third round. I don't know exactly how that. I, I mean, they, I know one way or another they're finishing probably. I mean, I think Toronto finishes top of the Atlantic Division. I think Tampa either finishes second or third. Um, so, like, it's very realistic for them to completely come out of that division and into the Eastern Finals. But I think they're in a tough spot with whoever they they're matched up against, whether it's. Carolina, maybe the Rangers, the Devils, like even yeah. the Penguins, maybe like they're they're kind of doing a one last dance with their their veterans. So, I it's, it's I, tough, though it's tough to predict when you really look at all the teams. It's so it's so hard to tell, and and you know, a lot of people weren't picking Florida, but like Florida's got a good team. You know, if you yeah. have if you get into the playoffs, you have a good team, and yeah. it's it's really hard to pick between a lot of them. Um, I have my second pick here just because uh, we'll call it a homer take and a non-homer take. But the other team I picked, coming out of the West, the Edmonton Oilers. Okay, so I, I, did, I did toss around. I, I honestly do, if I had to make a prediction right now, I think the Cup Final probably will be the, the Oilers and the, the Devils. Yeah, and then I think that would at be the end a of the day, it really, series. I think it really just comes down to goaltending. I think even defensively, I think you know New Jersey's going to have the edge, um, especially with you know Dougie Hamilton, Luke Hughes coming in. I think uh, Simone Nemec probably plays a big role this season. So yeah. I kind of think goaltending and defense are kind of what what tips it in New Jersey's favor in the end over the Oilers. But I think that would just be a hell of a series. That that series would just be even if it's not great, you know, quote unquote hockey, especially playoff hockey, it would be so fun to watch. Like It'd be so what, fun. Like guys like Jack Hughes uh, and those young guys on the Devils just flying all over the place, high flying offense, McDavid, Drysidle, that whole power play, and then you don't yeah. even have great goalies on either side, which means it's going to be a high scoring series. That would be a lot of fun. Yeah, that that would be one of the most exciting Stanley Cup finals we've got in recent years. Because we really haven't had a cup final since. I mean, probably the most exciting one. And I mean, I know which ones are exciting for you, obviously. I was but in say. terms of just hockey fans in general, 
the most exciting one by far in recent years we've got was uh, St. Louis and Boston. Oh, I was going to say in Tampa, Tampa and uh, Colorado. Because obviously I like the other two more because it was a lot more fun for me to watch because we won. But it was good, but like just every you got like everything you possibly could have wanted out of that Boston St. Louis series. Like it mm. just had I mean, not only like not even the fact it went to game seven, like which is awesome, but just every game was just like you the the teams just hated each other and some of the hits and all that. Like it was just it was such entertaining hockey and like yeah. I don't know. I just want to get some like that again, but that's fair. It sucks I mean, because that's yeah. that's almost every playoff round in like the first round of uh the Eastern Conference. Like, man, yeah. that that Tampa Toronto series was electric. Like, that should have been an Eastern Conference final. It sucks that we had to play each other in the first. So we've got a we've got a couple minutes here before we wrap it up. I'm gonna ask you this to to kind of wrap wrap this one up here. A lady bing runner up? How would you do the NHL playoffs? If you couldn't pick, if you could pick, if you got to decide how the playoffs were formatted, how would you do it? I think that you do the top. Do you do top three? I would even say just do the top two in each division. So I'll use the East for an example. Do the top two. So the top two teams in the Atlantic and the Metro both make the playoffs, obviously. And then the next four by point by points or point percentage um, would also make the playoffs. And then one versus eight, two versus seven. Okay. I, okay. I don't know if that's the perfect system. But I definitely think it's better than what they're currently doing. Yeah. So the and plus, then you could get the you know you could get the uh, Metro versus the Atlantic in the first round. You could get those going instead of just the same ones because I get that they want to build up rivalries within the same division. But realistically, it just makes the fans sick of seeing each other in the playoffs. They want to. They want something new. They want a new rivalry. You know, like it was. It was cool when you know. when they created this format, it was like, yo, we're actually, we're going to get like the battle of Crosby and Ovechkin, the plus, but when we reached its fourth and fifth time, it was just like, we're kind of just over it at this point now. Yeah. I you know I, how cool would it be to see those teams face in the second or third round? Like yeah, exactly. Maybe that feels a little different than in the first round. Now, now you've got some storylines going, you know, Crosby's been in, on this insane streak and Ovechkin has only scored twice in his last six. Like, you know, you could you could have all kinds of things going on at that point, and yeah, it it would just be nice to see a little more variety in the matchups. Yeah, the way I would do it, and and I know this way is never gonna happen, but a fun way to do it would be you still take the top, you know, top three teams from each division. Yeah, and then you still got your wild card, but you take the top four. And so now you get a little more incentive. Like if you're a divisional, you know, winner in that one of those top three spots, you get a small bit of a buy and then you take, you know, seven versus 10 and eight versus nine in both conferences. And you do like a a wild card, um, 
you know thing where it's it's the two teams play it's a best um two out of three and then whichever teams win say you know team seven beats 10 and then nine beats eight then you put them them in there with uh, those other six teams that have have that small buy and then based on point totals you do one to eight and then you do it that way because i really do just like the idea of of having that small little uh like wild card thing um yeah kind of a play-in round almost yeah i i was just, i thought that was that was one of those really cool things that, like from the bubble it was a little bit bigger you know, and it kind of took away a little bit when you've got those teams that are are already in the playoffs still playing and determining their seating was was kind of goofy to have in the middle of it. But I think if you did like, you know, again, both sides, seven versus 10, eight, nine, you can just roll, you know, h- however many days of constant, like good hockey. Like you could get six days out of it where you do whatever Eastern one first and then right after that you've got the west one and you've ping pong that back for a couple days uh like you could get a good amount of of views on those and people interested in engage because like it's the only hockey game on right now it's a best two out of three series i think that could be great for the league and it just uh just opens up the door a little bit more to maybe it's like you, that's that's crazy the number 10 you know team came out of the wild card they go up against the number one team and knock them off or something like that i think that would just be really cool yeah i think i I don't ever see that happening i don't see the league ever expanding past traditional eight eight teams in their quote-unquote playoffs so yeah and uh yeah i i don't i think that would be a that'd be a neat idea to see uh a little part of me would be fine if we never saw it uh if only to protect the incredible record uh, that Vasilevsky has for most wins in a playoff se- uh, playoff run of 18. Yeah. Because he won two in the during the play-in round of the two basically exhibition games. So it's like it's like a 100-way tie for second place with 16 wins because that's yeah. how many it takes to win a regular cup. And then because of the bubble, Vassy has 18 wins, which always just yeah. looks so funny whenever I see it on, uh, you know, Stats Hockey or whatever website. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, realistically, the NHL is never going to go past their, their, you know, eight teams are in. But I mean, if, if making money is what they really care about, by the way, they're going with all these ads and whatnot. You could, I mean, either that or just get one of your, you know, get whoever to just start dating taylor swift and then boom the nhl becomes the most popular league in yeah in the world but someone's got to get on that maybe maybe cole caulfield or something he seems like the type oh. of guy to riz caulfield yeah um but anyways i i don't have anything else to add on did you did you have anything or are we we shutting this uh, one down uh not really i could start reading off like the history of Lady Bing Trophy winners. No, I'm good. I'm good. I'm <laughs> I'm good. Um, yeah. But yeah, this was officially now the last episode we're doing here before the regular season starts. Um, the first regular season we'll be covering, uh, you know, with this podcast. Um, got through the off season. Excited for the regular season. 
I think we've got a lot of cool stuff we have planned kind of throughout the course of the year. Um, you yep. know, stuff we'll kind of get into and, and whatnot when the time arises. We'll leave you all with that little cliffhanger. Uh, but yeah, next week we'll actually have some regular season hockey to talk about. Maybe some big stuff that, that happens, uh, you know, near the end of training camps. Maybe some surprise guys on waivers or something. Maybe some trades potentially. Who knows? Uh, but there should be no shortage of, of stuff for us to talk about next week, I think. Yeah, we might uh, we might even do more than one episode a week every once in a while. Not uh, Nothing, you know, secured into a schedule or anything but you know if something massive happens and we're both free and we can do a we could do a shorter episode or something on it you know what there's a lot more stuff to cover when the season's actually going on so yeah exactly right for sure might be some more episodes coming out here soon than there have been yeah i completely agree it'll uh it'll be interesting to see how it all kind of plays out and what it ends up uh you know looking like as as we kind of get into it Um, but I guess with that being said, thank you to everybody for listening, your constant support. Um, we will be here same time next week for you. Uh, yeah, I don't any any last thing you want to say before we sign off here? Um, no, no, I think you've heard you've heard enough about the Lady Bing for me. Yeah, fuck the Lady Bing, but whoever wins it, uh, Congrats on enough. Hey, Jacob award. Slavin won the Lady Bing in 2021. Look at that. Yeah, it says a lot. Um, it does, it does yeah. go. It does go to the defenseman sometimes. Uh, yeah. Thanks to everybody for listening, and we will uh, catch you guys all next week.